You're listening to Empath at Work. Come share this space with us as we explore how we harness empathy in life and at work. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Empaths at Work. We have a wonderful guest with us today, somebody we've known for a few years now, and we cannot wait for you to get to know her a little bit better. But to do so, why don't we start off with an moment of the week. (laughs) Sarah, where in your week have you used or observed empathy? Okay. Well, this has to do with my, the dog that rescued me, my dog Mm -hmm. Mako, and it has to do with my wonderful dog walker. And um, so long story short, as my, one of my best friends likes to say, um, I had to leave the house for an appointment. I had taken Mako out for a walk a couple of times. He's part hunting dog and he was in hunting mode. He was not in go number two mode. Okay. (laughs) And I knew there was going to be a little bit of time before Lynn was going to arrive and I had to get out the door and you can imagine the rest. So I texted Lynn (laughs) and I said, Mako's like into burying things, hunting and snow angels. He's not pooping. And she texted (laughs) me back and she's like, well, I'm like 10 minutes away or can you just wait? And meanwhile, I had already walked with him. So I missed her, (laughs) missed her, her response. So later in the day, fast forward. Okay. I finally get and look at my phone. She had sent me a video. (laughs) So she's just this beautiful young woman and she's (laughs) her face. She's like, Sarah, the eagle has landed. And then her phone panned <laughs> oh, over no. to Mako to number two. <laughs> Is this inside or outside of the house? Oh, it was outside okay, and you. it was wherever, wherever they were. But yes, the eagle had landed and the eagle had landed outside in an appropriate curbside place. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, Poor Mako just was too in the mode to go and make those snow angels. That sounds absolutely adorable. Yeah. He just had to understand what he really needed in that moment. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, so Sarah, as Katie mentioned, we do know a little bit about you. So I'll share a little bit also um, about who you are. So you're a mom. We now know you're a fur mom and also a mom of a teenager. I don't know which is harder. Um, and <laughs> it's all a beautiful work of art, right? It's all a process. You're a mountain climber. That's one thing I didn't know. And you're also a marketeer. She yeah. loves to build things and believes if we tap into the inherent curiosity and creativity muscles we had as children, we'll bring a richer sense of empathy to our workplaces. Just an idea I have. <laughs> so beautiful. So Sarah, tell us more about your experience with curiosity and how you see it relate back to empathy. Well, first of all, I want to know if being here with you all makes me an honorary member of the best team ever. Oh I mean, gosh. I think that's a yes. hundred okay, cool. okay, cool. So you don't have to send me those M&Ms anymore. You can, that's enough, <laughs> enough of a, that's enough of a gold star for me. Thank you. We're no longer the best team ever. We're building the best community ever. So everybody is welcome. Oh, I love that. Yes. We need love t-shirts it. with that on it yeah. for sure. Tell me your question again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Was what's been your experience with curiosity and empathy? 
So I love that you asked John the question that I had in, in uh, I think it was the podcast one that he did with you. Yeah. So and because it challenged my thinking about my premise, right? My mm -hmm. hypothesis or, or whatever you want to call it. My mother used, was a scientist, so sometimes mm -hmm. I use that speak. But um, so when you think about boiling down empathy to its root meaning, it's really about the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. So when I think about it, we all know some people have high emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Others don't, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to me that the only way to really understand how someone feels is we have to stop what we're doing and pay attention, right? Yeah. I have to like get out of email voice, right? I have to really be present. And then I have to ask helpful questions. And so the way I think about helpful questions is what is open-minded? What is judgment-free? And what really shows that other person that you're there in that moment with them, that you're trying to learn and understand, and that you're, you're listening, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to demonstrate that inherent curiosity. This is not about fake it till you make it, right? No, yeah. So, I mean, haven't you guys been talking about authenticity when you think about empathy? Mm, totally. So, so I think about that and then I think just about sort of my, my own experience and, and I'm going to turn everything into a therapy session. Although sometimes we just naturally find that it, it, it turns out that way, right? Yeah. And sometimes that's helpful. But I, I love the notion of I wonder. Mm. And here's why. I've worked in organizations where I have to flex my creative muscle. I have to flex my analytic muscle, right? Do you want to guess which land I prefer to, to, to play in the most? I'm going to say creative. Yeah, the creative <laughs> side. So when I have to talk to people that live in a linear world because that's their purview, that's, that's what they do, and I come in with my curiosity I often think about, I, I have to make sure that they know that I'm inherently curious. So I might say to them, hey, I'm wondering about this data that you're talking about. And does it tell us a story about X or is it telling us a story about Y? You know, and just in terms of to get them to kind of start talking, or I, I wonder if this means that when I go and I talk to Jane tomorrow about this? That is it, are you telling me it's going to connect to this is, you know, what I learned about what she's working on and her, what's sort of her, her pain point, if you will, in, in her business right now. And I would just like, stop, tell me what they thought. Mm. And I found that, um, and I had someone say to me once, it was so funny, because I'm just me. I mean, what do I know? And I had someone say, I have to tell you that the way that you asked me that question was just the most disarming and nice way of having a conversation. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I honestly said, well, what do you mean? Because I was honestly wondering, and I knew it wasn't about why does the data say, because 
I don't know why the data says that. They know why the data says that. But if I come in with a why, to me, sounds judgy. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys well, think? Well, it also feels like by presenting it that way where you're, you're asking for advice, you're creating some vulnerability too by saying, I'm not sure or here's what I think, but what do you think um, creates an opportunity to just say, I'm, I'm turning to you for advice, right. which, which requires vulnerability, right? To show that you don't know the answer, which I would think would make people feel a little bit more comfortable to open up and express their point of view. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also acknowledging that you're, you're considering that person an expertise in that area, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's exactly to... right. Go ahead. I was, that's exactly what I was just going to say is it's almost the questions that you're asking. And I just have to say before I even address that, the fact that you have background in mental health and storytelling is so clear to me now that I have that information. Like it, you make so much more sense to me just knowing you, <laughs> knowing the way you talk, knowing the way you think, like it all comes together. And anyways, um, I think what, what you're saying is that when you're asking these types of questions, you're almost shifting the personal power a little bit. You're like, I need your help here, or you know more than I do, or your time spent on this is really valuable to me. So like, there's almost this like silent shifting between that I think is really enticing and welcoming and it feels very open. Um, and that makes a big difference when you're asking you know, right. level two and three questions. Yep. And, and we have to earn people's respect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I don't care how long someone's been doing what they're doing. There's always room to learn more. And um, I, if I said to my, I said to my husband the other night, if anyone ever calls me an expert in anything, then I know I'm done. I'm cooked because I don't want to be an expert in anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather like hire a whole bunch of experts and work with them. Yeah. It's so fun then because you're always constantly learning, right? You just leave right. the door open for for opportunities to learn more and keep your brain hung or fed, I guess, keep your brain fed with information. And I'm the same way, Sarah. I think I like being a jack of all trades and I can get really good at close to mastery with some of them, but I don't, if I did that, then I would miss out on so many other things that I want to get my hands in. Right. And, and highly strategic people need to see patterns and need to make connections, right? And um, so all that, all that goodness and all that experience adds up, rolls up to that. Is strategy in your top five for strength finders? I knew you guys were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's funny because I've, I've taken that assessment a couple different times. So I, I find that there are some things that absolutely resonate, like John said, some things that absolutely resonate, it will show up all the time. And some, some other things are sort of in the background. Um, yeah, strategy shows up. And again, it's sort of the flex on the, you know, the creative side mm -hmm. versus the analytic side. And, but Creativity has a lot of ways of showing up too, right? So it's all, it's all useful in being successful and working with people and organizations. 
I love to the examples that you've given us in terms of how people can extra exercise their curiosity muscle because they're they're easy to remember, right? Just saying, tell me more or say mm -hmm. more or posing a question with 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 an opportunity to either give them some give put power into them of giving them some credibility of that you are asking for their opinion. And I think the other way I've also seen that is where you're just kind of sharing how you feel about a situation and then asking them how they feel. So you're kind of opening up the space again to, to be vulnerable. Absolutely. So you had, you had asked me um, for, you had, you had asked me, you know, can you share a couple of experiences that are like personal to me? And I think you had also asked me, um, what advice or ideas would I give other people? Yeah. So I have, um, I have three ideas in each of those buckets. Let's so, hear, um, yes. hear them. Okay. Yes. So, so the, how does Sarah connect with, um, the notion of sort of curiosity and the experiences? So let's just get into the way back machine, if we will. So we're going to go way, 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 way back when I was in, um, advertising as an industry. And I used to, <laughs> I, I used to give the team and by team, I, I mean, not just the people that reported up to me, but the whole ecosystem, like the creative people, the media people, the whole thing. I used to give them these, what I thought were fun assignments. And they would all sort of like roll their eyes when I would show up at their door, like, oh, here she comes again. So one example was, um, I worked with this copywriter who was brilliant. And one day I walked into his office and I said, hey, about Project XYZ, got a little nighttime reading for you. And I literally put a copy of a highly esoteric vertical B2B publication on his desk. And it was called Pulp and paper. And it was the trade publication for that industry. What we were working on had nothing to do with that. And he looked up and he's like, what? And I said, <laughs> I said, ideas come from the weirdest places. Just take a little look through. Let me know what you think. And I looked and I was pretty sure he was like swearing under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> But so then, then later on, he was like, okay, that was kind of an interesting exercise. And I knew the way that his mind worked and I knew it would show up in some really cool way. And it did. So the second story. Yeah. What's interesting is, though about yeah. that story and connecting to, you know, why can't people just be kind is, is treating people with that, how to be curious. And you did that with that example of sharing a magazine that there was really no inherent connection to what they did right but by reading through it kind of actually finding that connection points and that could right. in intentionally create curiosity but potentially a better understanding or empathy yeah. for the but situation. the other the other thing that i did too was i went to an expert i went to an expert in creativity okay and oh. i and i challenge and i had a fun and i knew this guy very well and i had a fun challenge for him on creativity but he thought i was not so. And um, so in a way, it gave him kind of, it, it sort of gave him a pause. It's like, what is she up to? And then, oh, okay, now I get it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Did that change the way that he shows up, I guess, in, in his work and the way that he interacted with content? Did that, did you see some sort of noticeable change or at least more curiosity from that exercise? Yes. 
and he was a, a naturally curious and creative mm -hmm. individual, but, but more than that, it solidified our relationship in a new way because, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in that industry, you have highs and lows, right? And you have times when you're, you got to turn things around, like you wouldn't believe how fast you have to turn it around. Mm -hmm. And so back to that point of you have to earn trust. So you got to, you got to really earn trust in that, in that industry so that when the time comes where something really has to be turned around overnight and you, Sarah, has no control over that anymore, that it's mm -hmm. the client, something's going on with the client. So to be able to come to the team and say, here's what's going on. Here's what we need to do. Here's why we need to do it and what I'm, what I'm learning, right? And if you have that trust and you've built up that, that relationship with people, they'll move mountains for you if you've earned it, right? If you've earned it. Yeah. If you've earned it. That is so, and I'm just even thinking as, you know, a team member right now in my career, like there is a certain part about wanting to know what your leader, wanting to know what your peer is asking of you and what it means and knowing that not everything is going to be a fire drill or knowing to trust that relationship. I think just the way you said that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And then, and then just the, in terms of, um, you know, working with new leaders, you know, so when you're working up, you're managing up, if you will. And I, I'm like raising my hands in the ceiling, like nobody can see it, but you know what I mean? Um, you, you have to have a relationship where you know, okay, this is my manager. Is this really a directive or is this you know, Jane musing about something. Is Jane in musing? Is Jane thinking? Is Jane in creativity mode? Or is this a directive? And if you don't know, you need to ask. Yeah. Totally. So Sarah, do you want to tell us story number two? So story number two is when I was um, over on the brand side and I took the team at that time to the Museum of Fine Arts Museum here in Boston. And I had a plan where there was a specific exhibit I wanted them to, to experience. And then we had some time to kind of like wander around. And um, what we were doing there in the museum had nothing to do with our day jobs. Uh, the brand that we were on was a uh, loved consumer magazine both digital and print. Um, but a couple things were going on. I just wanted them to have a break and do something different. Mm -hmm. And so we experienced the museum and, uh, you know, we had some time to chit chat and get something to eat or whatever. So we're just talking and I, one of my colleagues, I said, uh, so what did you like? And she started talking about a painting or a sculpture or whatever. I'm like, so what, what about it did you like? Like, tell me more, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, then I said something, and this is just me because they knew that this was how I, th I think. I said to somebody else, I'm like, was there anything that gave you hives? And I started <laughs> laughing because like that was like my expression of, oh, I'm not going to go there. That's going to give me hives. And uh, <laughs> to take five Advil for that or something. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, so then I got a perspective from somebody else on, on what they didn't like. And again, it was like, well, tell me more. What didn't, what, why didn't you 
like it or what was going on there. And uh, it was just a fun way to really immerse yourself in something that maybe you're not very familiar with, right? Yeah. Get curious about it. Learn something new. Get a new perspective. Get out of your own head and try something different. It's so interesting. I lived in Chicago for a couple of years, was in a sales job, and I there was the oh gosh, what is it called? Like the Chicago Museum of Art, like the big Chicago art museum, whatever it's called. It's wonderful with the big lines out front. But it was right across uh, Michigan Avenue from the office that I worked at. And so on lunch break, sometimes we would go over there and it just, it was such a nice way to decompress, to think a little bit differently. And I never really put that together until hearing the story and the intentional way that you invited your team to kind of get out of the normal headspace and think a bit differently. I think if we apply it directly to business, things like design thinking are essentially tools to help us do that within the work context. But there's so much value in being able to remove yourself from the the normal context of work and try something different, have different conversations. So I I love that. That is really cool. Yeah. And I also asked them, this is what I'm thinking about for our outing. And uh, because, you know, if, if somebody was really had a very strong opinion about they don't want to go to a museum, mm-hmm. that's cool. We, we would have come up with some other idea, right? Totally. Yeah. I feel like galleries are such or art museums are such thought starters and it helps you Mm. get um, understand how people think and look at a world and perceive things. Right. Right. And just hearing what they don't like, what gives them hives. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, you can you can um, you can let's just say we're looking at a we're enjoying a painting on the wall. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the you can look at it subjectively and objectively, right? Subjectively, you're just being you, just kind of taking it in. What are the colors? What's going on? What do you like? Then you can put on that cool audio headset and someone teaches you something about that painter that, you know, it's, so you can do, you can kind of flex and you can say, you know what, today I'm going to go in, I'm just going to look. Yeah. Or today I'm going in and I want someone to tell me something really cool, interesting, and a story about this. And that's when, those are the moments when I would put the headset on and hear that perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so it might be different on different days. And the other thing that I, I was thinking about was if on a team or, you know, whether it's one-on-one or in a team, if you have a sense of how people like to learn, right? We all have preferences. Yeah. And when you get to know someone and you know, okay, this is a visual, highly visual person. Mm-hmm. This is someone who um, is going to want to listen to something and then is going to make all of those connections. You can do, to, Katie, to your point about design thinking, you can then design an experience for that person based on what you learn about their preferences, right? Mm-hmm. It just takes a little conversation to be able to figure, to pick up those clues on how people like to, like to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you even tie it back to like employee experience and diversity and inclusion, it's really getting that bigger sense of what is, what is this team? What is my community made up of? And how can we best come up with 
a way to help this collective group or a specific individual in that group shine up and be able to think by using the strengths that they do have. Mm -hmm. And it's being really inclusive with, with what is perhaps available on your team and what you want to foster as far as a community and a relationship with those people. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. You know what? The other thing that comes to mind too is just with with what you said, uh, Sarah, about when you're in a museum and you can look at a painting and just kind of observe it as you observe it as you will and, um, and what resonates with you. And then when you read about what the painting's about or about, about the artist, it can completely change your perspective of the painting or your appreciation of the painting in itself. And it seems to come back full circle to curiosity and how the impact of that um, in, 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 in life. Absolutely. So, so story number three. Yes. I'm just going to real, real quick. Yeah. Um, so just fast, 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 fast forward to um, a more recent experience in working with a client. And, and this is a, uh, an individual that's amazingly, um, intuitive person um, who bootstrapped her entire CX program and took it to this wonderful level when I started working with her. And she had a natural instinct about how she was going to make her customer service folks, contact center mm-hmm. folks. Lot, we have lots of names for sort of that that function, right? She was going to make them heroes. And um, so she's telling me about something that she was working on and um, we're, we're chatting about something. I'm like, well, what story would they tell you? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, they're the frontline people that are collecting all these incredible stories that you've been telling me about, but what story would they tell you? And she's like, oh, I have to have someone go and talk to them and have them story tell them. I'm like, uh-huh. And then what would you do? And she's like, well, and she's thinking about it, right? And we're just, ha- we're just riffing on the phone. And, um, oh, and it's not audio also. We're just, this, this day we were just like, to- it was just a verbal riff. It wasn't an audio riff. And um, she said, so I'd have them tell a story and I'd have someone record it. I said, yep, then what would you do? And she said, well, then I'd figure out how I'm going to use those stories. I'm like, uh-huh, how would you use the story? She was like, well, I don't know yet. But if I get a good enough story, then I'll have all these options, won't I? I said, absolutely. So <laughs> where we went was she just knew she had to get the story from that person's perspective, from the perspective of the person in the contact center, mm-hmm. right? Once she had the story, she could figure out all the ways to atomize it, right? All the bits and ways it was going to mm-hmm. show up in the world. Was it going to be an audio vignette? Was it going to be something that was um, more of like a um, testimonial verbatim? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I said to her, I said, my sense is that you're going to make these folks heroes. I said, if I, in a perfect world today, wanted to see something, I said, I would want to know who these people are. At minimum, I would want to see their faces, Mm-hmm. And so she ended up, the first sort of like artifact that she that she had, if you will, is she sent me, she had just mocked up a page and it, it was these wonderful photographs of these people. And, and she's like, okay, so 
what are you looking at, Sarah? And I'm like, okay, so I'm looking at the first face. It's this, and I just described this face. She's like, okay, that's so-and-so. And she went on to tell me a story about this person. And I said, that's great. That's it. That's it. And so she ended up her final artifact that she used in some storytelling, um, both internally and externally, um, made these people true heroes. And it turned out to be a photograph with a little vignette. And the vignette, if you will, was a verbatim and it had quotation marks around it. And it was from the heart and soul of that person in the contact center in terms of mm. what empathy meant to them and what they were learning and hearing about the people they were working with and talking to and helping every single day. That is so special. Yeah. It's also, you know, you taught us uh, some exercises in terms of how to how to be curious, but also when people don't want to be curious, you're just putting that out for them to absorb and listen. And that is powerful in itself too, of just spreading and sharing your story. Yeah. So if I had to like do a recap. Yeah. <laughs> right where I was going, I was, let's, let's do some reflections around this um, theme of curiosity. And empathy. Yeah. I will say to start, it's so clear, Sarah, that curiosity is your superpower just in terms of how you've, how you've shared this story and the questions that you've asked and the interactions and, and, and stories that you've shared. Oh, I miss you guys. This I is know. so fun. This is so fun for me. Yay. <laughs> I miss you too. So, you know, so if, so if tomorrow you guys had to teach somebody some ideas on how they could show up in the world more curious, what would you tell them? Tell me more. Yeah, mm -hmm. tell me more. Say more about that. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. But also I I will steal that line, like, you know, what what gives you hives? <laughs> I was like, that will be the title of this podcast episode. Ooh, that's yeah. a great idea. No, seriously though, because I think it's about it is about using those kind of disarming things to express your point without actually being like, this is exactly what I'm thinking. Cause there is some finessing that can come from that. And there is room to build on top of those types of things. I don't know. It's just, it feels really inviting. I'm excited oh. to reflect on our conversation. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot, right? And, you know, in addition to kind of working in a, a, a blended, beautiful, diverse world, you know, one of the other things I think about is, um, you know, extroverts and introverts and how much mm -hmm. energy do we bring into the room, right? We've all yeah. talked about this kind of stuff. And so sometimes I personally have to dial myself back a little bit when I know that I'm working with somebody that is super introverted and I can't show up with all my Sarah Montague-ness, right? <laughs> I just can't because <laughs> I won't have any, I won't earn any trust there at all. So I kind of have to like wait and see when the right opportunity is to, to explore what I'm wondering about with that person. Mm-hmm. You what? have to earn it, right? To your right. point about kind of building relationships, you've got to, it almost makes it more fun. You, It's a slower burn of getting to know somebody. Oh, a slower burn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's provocative. I like that. <laughs> I usually think about it in terms of relationships, 
I want a slow burn relationship, not one <laughs> yeah. that I smash in the pan, you know? A slow burn relationship that lasts more than a hot second or a hot minute? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha, Chiquita. <laughs> I really like what you said, too, around curiosity and authenticity and the connection there. Mm. Yeah. That's something that I want to think more on. So... I had this really interesting conversation with a friend this morning about the imposter syndrome, right? Mm. And the fake it till you make it. And, and all of these things were kind of percolating in my head as I was getting ready to chat with you all. And um, there are just some things that we will, we, will, we will just look like we are silly if we try to fake our way through empathy. I mean, that's what I think. I don't know. What do you guys think? My first thought, I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts lately, is <laughs> if you try to fake your way through empathy, you kind of come off as a sociopath or like a psychopath. You know what I mean? Because that's essentially what they're doing. I, it's been a lot of So now we've, come, we've now come full circle back <laughs> yeah. to my experience as a mental health worker in a psychiatric hospital. Okay. So I true. think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, where can everybody find you? Oh, all right. You guys, you know, this is not about me. This is about you guys. But um, so, so I'm on LinkedIn. If people want to Google Sarah Montague plus Boston, you'll find me. It's, I'm not the BBC Sarah Montague. I'm Sarah Montague <laughs> on the other the other side of the pond. Awesome. And listen, uh, you know, you know me. I have to make a marketing plug to all of your beautiful listeners. So, listeners, here's my challenge for you: please tell three friends about Empaths at Work. Follow them on LinkedIn if you hang out on LinkedIn, and share that as well. And follow them on Instagram if you're on Instagram. Thanks. Thank you for listening to EW, also known as Empaths at Work. We want you to engage in the conversation. Leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the episode description. Now for the fine print. The opinions expressed in these podcasts are our personal opinions and don't necessarily reflect the views of any companies we are associated with as working women. That's all. Thank you.